16. With great enthusiasm, we open our Bibles to the last part of this farewell discourse given by Jesus. And this, it's important to note that this discourse, this farewell discourse uh, given by Christ to his disciples is a direct teaching. It's a direct teaching to them. He is looking at them. He is calming their fears. He is building them up. He is assuring them that even though he is departing, that, that departing is very much in the plan of God and would be ultimately for their advantage. Once we get to John chapter 17, we have a high priestly prayer given by Jesus. We'll read it, we'll study it, but that's not direct teaching. That's a prayer that he prayed to his father, full of instruction for us, certainly, but indirectly. This is direct teaching for his disciples that we find in John 16. I want us to begin just by looking there in verse 1. He says, these things I've spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. So you need a rationale for the farewell discourse would be that his words would keep his disciples from stumbling, from going astray. That's important. We look down the page and you get to verse 6. And Jesus says, but because I have said these things to you, there it is, sorrow has filled your heart. So the words are to keep his disciples from stumbling and the words that he has spoken uh, have resulted in sorrow in the hearts of the disciples. It's interesting. And then you go all the way almost to the end of the chapter, verse 32. There it is. Jesus says this. He says, Behold, an hour is coming and has already come. It's as good as here. He says, For you to be scattered. So those three things caught my attention this week. That the words are to keep them from stumbling. The words that he says are to diminish, if not alleviate, the sorrow. And then Jesus speaks these words with the knowledge that at some point, and he says that time has come. Jesus knew that they would be scattered. I think Jesus knew how vulnerable his disciples are in this world. There's a world, there's a real world, a world system. There's the flesh, there's the devil. 
And I think Jesus knew this world would be difficult. If you look in the last verse, there it is. Last verse of the chapter, he says, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. He says, in the world you have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. So Jesus just say, he's just acknowledging that, yes, he's leaving and he's sending spiritual resources to help the disciples. That nevertheless, their lives are going to be full of trial. And there's going to be some level of difficulty that they face. Jesus doesn't want them to stumble. He doesn't want them to go astray. He doesn't want them to leave the truth. He doesn't want them to turn their back on him. He doesn't want them to be full of sorrow. He doesn't want them to feel alone. So he encourages these disciples with words, words that will keep them on the straight and narrow, words that will turn their sorrow into joy, words that even though scattered, even though they may feel all alone, they're never alone because Jesus never leaves his own and he never forsakes his own. So I think this is the framework that we read the rest of what he says in this farewell discourse. Last words of someone to those he loves are of utmost importance. And you and I should give attention to these things today. So we have a three-point sermon. We have a three-point outline. We're going to look first at the foundation of our faith. Secondly, we'll look at the fruit of our faith. And then thirdly, the fullness of our faith. The fullness of faith. The fruit of faith. The foundation of faith. So join me there in verse 13. And we're just going to, we're going to read and comment, read and comment all the way through to the end of the chapter. Jesus says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Now we'll look at that closer here in a moment, but let's get to the foundation of our faith. Right here, verses 16 and following. Notice the language that he uses. He says, a little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Some of his disciples then said to one another, what is this thing he is telling us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, in a little while and you will see me. And because I go to the father. So he's 
talking to these disciples and they're somewhat confused by what he is saying. They're questioning this. So they were saying, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wished to question him. And he said to them, are you deliberating together about this? That I said a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief. Now, but I will see you again. There it is. I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. The foundation of our faith. What is Jesus talking about here? A little while and you will no longer see me. That's his departure. That's his crucifixion. That's his burial. A little while, shortly, the next day, in fact, he will be crucified, dead and buried. That's it. A little while, you will no longer see me. He's crucified, he's dead, he's buried. And then he says, and again, a little while, and you will see me. What's he talking about? His resurrection. And we know that when he he rose from the dead, that he made appearances to his disciples, to these very men that he was talking to at this time, he appears to them in resurrection glory. That's what he's talking about. This is what? This is the foundation of our faith. His his sinless life, his, his crucifixion on the cross, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection from the dead. This is the foundation of our faith. Paul in... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the great resurrection chapter, talks about the resurrection of Jesus and the fact that his resurrection not only means our salvation, but it means our future bodily resurrection. Again, the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. This is the foundation of our faith. Paul said, listen, he said, another foundation is, Can no man lay other than that foundation which has been laid, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The one who what? The one who lived for us. The one who died for us. The one who rose for us. The one who will return for us. This Jesus is the foundation of our faith. And the point is today that if you haven't trusted Christ, trust Christ. For those of you who follow Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus, praise him. Praise him today that he's your savior, that he literally gave his own life, taking the nails for you and I on an old rugged Roman cross, that he died on that cross shedding his blood for our sin, that we would look to him in faith and be forgiven. 
This is the foundation of our faith. And apart from this, there is no entry into heaven. There is no eternal glory for the one who refuses Jesus Christ. There is no heaven for the one who refuses Jesus Christ. And we know that this is, this is the very root of all sin. And that is the rejection of Jesus. The very root of all sin is the sin of not doing. Of what? Of not believing in Christ. And then every other sins of, uh, or transgressions that violate the commands. They stem from that one sin of unbelief. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, trust him now. If you have, grow in that trust. Grow in that trust of Christ. Your faith should grow as you read the word. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of the Lord. The foundation of our faith is that finished work of Christ on the earth. And we praise him for this. We thank him for this. And there is no other way of salvation. There's no other way to receive the forgiveness of sin. There's no other way to live in the light. There's no other way of, of walking in truth. You can't walk in truth if you forsake the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. So trust him. And there's, a, there's an urgent plea there. To trust him. If you've never trusted Jesus. I think about it this way. I mean, who would you rather stand with? Would you rather, would you rather stand with Jesus? The one who demonstrated the love of the father by giving himself sacrificially on the cross. Would you rather stand with him in the truth or would you rather stand with the world and all that the world system has to offer in their unbelief and all of their nonsense? Because the world not only has rejected Christ, but in rejecting Christ, they have rejected the truth of God and his word. There's only two groups of people, folks. There are those who believe and stand with Jesus and there are those who don't. And the ones who do, not on their own merit, but on the grace of Almighty God and on the blood shed by his son for you and me, for the forgiveness of sin, on that we will enter heaven, not on our own merit. And, and the ones who refuse to believe Jesus and receive Christ, they will be relegated to outer darkness for all eternity in fiery flame. So I ask this morning and appeal to those who have been perhaps up to this day steadfast in their unbelief toward Christ. I ask you today to consider Jesus, consider the claims of Christ and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord.
and Savior. Secondly, the fruit of faith. You know, once you trust Jesus, that's not the end of the story. There's more. And I want you to see that, uh, that with me this morning. We, we started out there, the fruit of faith. So once you trust Jesus, what does, he, what does he give us? Well, he gives us eternal life. But that eternal life starts and begins in the here and now. And there are spiritual resources that he has available for those who trust him. What are those resources? Well, right there in verse 13. And most of this, he is, reiterate, he is reiterating what he's already taught in this discourse. So he says, but when he, there it is, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So the first fruit of faith is the work of the Holy Spirit in the one who is trusting Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And what is that work? It's a grand and glorious work. He says that the, he is the spirit of truth. And then Jesus doubles down on this and says, he will guide you into all the truth. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus has gone on to sit down at the right hand of the father in glory and there, one day, the Father will tell him to get up and return. But until that day, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we know that that Holy Spirit is holy and is dedicated to the truth. Dedicated to the truth. You know, if, if someone says they have the Holy Spirit and they're saying the Holy Spirit uh, is directing me to do this or to do that, and that is not in, in line with the word of God, they must have some other spirit. Because this Holy Spirit, he is holy. He is the spirit of truth. And his ministry is to guide you into all the truth. The second fruit of faith, and it ties into this. I'm going to bring this uh, together. The second fruit of faith is the work of the word. The work of the word. You say, well, where's that in chapter 16? Well, it's all over the place because Jesus is speaking his word and these words are recorded for us. So it is the work of the word. And, and I want to put the work of the spirit with the work of the word because the spirit is the spirit of truth and he will guide you into all, tr all the truth. And I believe in that guidance, the spirit is giving us a desire for the truth of God's word. I believe this with all my heart that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to give us a great appetite for the word of God. After all, he's the spirit of truth. So why wouldn't he direct us to the truth, to the written word, to the word of God, Genesis to Revelation? So the fruit of, the, the fruit of, of faith is the spirit of God 
the work of the spirit of God, the work of the word of God resulting in prayer. Resulting in prayer. Look at this. You see this last part there in uh, verse 22. He says, therefore, you, you too have grief now. But I will see you again. Resurrection. Well, for us, when will we see him again? Upon his return is when we'll see him again. We will lay eyes on our Savior. We will see the nail prints in his hand. We will see our Lord in all of his glory. And he's telling them here. He says, I'll see you again. And your heart will what? Rejoice. Your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. In that day, verse 23. In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. The work of the spirit, the work of the word resulting in prayer. And when we pray, he says, he says, your joy is going to be made full. There it is. You say, well, it sounds like he's just given us carte blanche to ask for anything we want. No, he hasn't. He hasn't given us carte blanche to ask for anything we want. He has said that the, and the qualification is strong and this is repetitive. He's covered this in uh, chapters 14 and 15. He says... If you ask the Father for anything in my name, my name. So we must go to the Lord, our Father, our Heavenly Father, and ask in the name of his Son. I'm impressed by something John Calvin said. He said something to this effect, that when we pray to the father in the name of his son, the heart of the father upon hearing the name of the son, his heart is toward us. His heart is with us. I think that's just fabulous. Just fabulous. Because he says, when we ask, will receive. And he said, so that your what? Your joy may be full. I think this fits very well with those who have been living um, with some degree of sorrow in their life. I mean, it could be sorrow can well up for about any reason. It could be someone who's already gone on to be with the Lord. It could be over, it could be over anything. Sorrow in the heart. But remember, Jesus was giving these words so that his disciples wouldn't be full of sorrow. 
I mean, this living in this world can be a sorrowful experience. But the Lord has given us his spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us the opportunity to access the throne in heaven, his father's throne in heaven and to bring our petitions and bring our requests in the name of Jesus. That what? Your joy may be made full. I want to break into prayer right now and just say, Lord, let it be. We get down about things. We hurt. Things change. We grow old. What have you? Don't get down. But be steadfast. Pray. Pray to the Lord. Pray to, pray to God about situations, about people. Pray to, pray to the Lord. Be honest with him about the condition of your own heart. Lord, I'm being squeezed. Lord, I'm full of sorrow. Lord, I'm sad. And let the Lord do the work of bringing you from that place of sadness, sorrow, to a place of joy. And I believe that happens as Jesus is speaking to us. It happens uh, more rapidly in the prayer closet. Not that you have to go to a closet to pray. You can pray anywhere, anytime, and feel free to do that. But in that in that activity of praying, God answers and fulfills his promise that your joy may be made full. What are we talking about? We talked about the, the foundation of faith and then that was the fruit of faith. Thirdly, and in closing, we have the fullness of faith. I mean, what does it look like? What does it look like for one who follows Jesus to have their faith directed toward the finished work of Christ, the cross, the empty tomb, his high priestly ministry at the right hand of the Father? We've received the word. We have the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the ministry of the word and the Holy Spirit are directing us to pray. What are the benefits? How does that look in the life of a believer? He covers this for us right here. Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you in figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf for the Father himself. Here we go. The Father himself loves you because you have loved me. Do you... You hear that? Let that resonate in your heart. The Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father. You know, notice Jesus never says I was born. 
He always says, I came forth from the Father. Isn't that sweet? He came right out of heaven to earth for you and me. He says, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I'm leaving the world again and going to the Father. His disciples said, lo, now you are speaking plainly and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this, we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But take courage, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Three things right here. We've touched on one because it's the result of prayer, and that is joy. How's it look? What's it look like when you welcome the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of God's word, all based on your faith in the finished work of Christ? What does it look like? First, joy. Joy. The joy of knowing that um, we are not to be moved by circumstances or what happens. No matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances are, this is what the Word of God says. We can have the fullness of joy and that joy of knowing that no matter what, no matter if hard times come and I have to endure or no matter if hard times come and I have to die, I have the joy of knowing that on the other side, I'm going to be with Jesus, my Lord and my Savior who died for me. It is not, none of this is dependent on circumstances. You can walk as a believer with joy, the fullness of joy. And that doesn't mean you have to walk around with a silly grin on your face. It just knows that way down deep at the gut level, you have the confidence in God of knowing that one day you're going to be with him. And those you love who know Christ will be with him as well. And nobody can take that from you. That's what he said right there in verse 22. You know, we quote a lot of his promises. We miss a lot too. Amen. There's one right here. He says, he says, and no one will take your joy away from you. Have you ever felt like someone was trying to steal your joy? It happens. So joy, number one, we're talking about the fullness. What happens? The fullness of faith. Joy. Secondly, love. Right there it is. He says, uh, for the Father himself loves you. This is verse 27. For the Father himself loves you. 
Did you know, if you're a disciple of the Lord, do you know the Father loves you? The Father himself loves you. The one who knew you before the foundation of the world loves you. Right there it is. Because you, so there's a reason why he loves you. Because you have loved me, Jesus said, and have believed. You not only loved Jesus, but you believed that he came forth from the Father. So love, love, joy and love, the fullness of faith, joy and love. No matter what happens, I have joy. I have confidence in knowing I'm going to be with him. And I have love for Christ. You know, Peter said, even though you hadn't seen him, you love him. And we haven't seen him, but we're convinced by the Holy Spirit, by the word of God, that Jesus is who He says he is, and that is the son of the living God, the resurrection and the life, the light of the world. That's Jesus. And we love him. We love Jesus. And then lastly, verse 33, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you. I would remind us all of the importance of the words of Christ. These things, he says, I have spoken to you. These things are recorded for us so that in me, you may have peace, 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 the peace that passes understanding. He says in the world, you're going to have tribulation. And you know what? You can't sidestep that. There's going to be difficulties in the world. It's the, it's the, you know, some people call it the daily grind or it's the routine or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But it, there are trials in this world. And Jesus said in the world, and he doesn't mince words. It's one, one thing. There's a lot of things to love about Jesus, but he tells you the truth. He, he tells it just like it is. He says, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to be between a rock and a hard place more than one time. But he says this, take courage. Now, listen, courage ain't just going to happen. You got to take it. You got to take it. It's like, uh, it's like those old priests. Just taking the horns of the altar. You just have to take courage. And, there, and then he gives you the rationale for that. Well, why would I take courage? Why wouldn't I just be spineless? Well, you know, number one, Jesus wasn't spineless. So we want to be like him. Well, here, here it is. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. So take courage, take heart, stand up, be bold in your testimony. And then what do he say? You have peace, joy, love, peace <clears throat> in the midst of, a, of an ungodly society and world that we live in. You can enjoy a little bit of heaven on earth, even in your own heart, because these resources come from the throne of God and they come directly to those who have trusted 
Jesus Christ. And who have received the work of the word, the work of the spirit resulting in prayer. And what does that result in? A life of joy and love and peace. You say, well, listen to this and even preaching this. I mean, how do you, do we, do we enjoy all that perfectly? No, we don't. We don't. I mean, I, I can be full of joy until I go to the four-way stop and what happened to that joy? Well, but you know what we do? There's joy in knowing if you sin, you can go to Jesus and confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and we can reclaim the joy that he offers We're not going to do this perfectly. You know that? We're not. But you keep trusting and you keep moving forward and you keep seeking God and you keep seeking the fellowship of the the faithful and the encouragement that comes from that. And you keep on moving forward and it's all by his grace and by his mercy. So God, give us uh, joy. Give us the the love and fill us with the peace that passes understanding. I pray this for myself. I pray this for my brothers and sisters in Christ that you will draw us close to you. And Lord, today, if there's anyone who has not trusted Jesus as their savior, their Lord, that today would be the day. If there's anyone here who's not sure about where they stand with Christ, Lord, today, help them. Help them to know. Help them to trust. We give you the praise and the glory. We thank you for this farewell discourse. Let us take it to heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.